The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. We have my esteemed co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, with us, and we're bringing Kathy on in just a moment. You know, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And we always want to bring you new information uh, that can help you take what we call these micro-initiatives, small things that you can do that can have a macro impact. And one of the reasons that Kathy and I love doing this is that we get to interview great folks, and it really is a learning opportunity for us and hopefully for you, our audience. It's a learning opportunity. Uh, And today... We're going to talk with Dr. Gail Beebe. Now, he's written a very interesting book that we'll talk about, and then his experience is, is just uh, very broad and will be very interesting for you, our listeners. His book is called The Shaping of an Effective Leader, Eight Formative Principles of Leadership. He currently is the president of Westmont College and has been there uh, since 2007. Before that, he was the president of the Spring Arbor University in Michigan for seven years. And at his inauguration in 2008, you know, as the president, he had uh, Steve Forbes speak uh, in his behalf and to welcome to the college. And, you know, Steve Forbes is the chief executive officer for, for Forbes. And Steve Sample, who is the uh, former president of the University of Southern California. And I'll just highlight a couple things, and then we'll probably talk a little bit more uh, about um, Gail's background. Very interesting uh, from a leadership perspective, because not only are we going to talk about his book, but he has been uh, a leader in numerous organizations. So he is a, uh, in his past, he's been a pastor for a variety of different churches. He's been a professor at Haggard School of Theology at uh, Azusa Pacific. Um, And then he got an MBA in strategic management from the Drucker School at the Claremont Graduate uh, Institute. And then he also got an MA in philosophy. He's he's very well educated and has a PhD in philosophy and religion also from Claremont. Um, So we'll... Bring him on in just a, uh, a moment, and I think for our listeners, he's got some, uh, one of his mentors was, was Peter Drucker, and uh, talks about that in his book. So I think for our listeners, this will be very interesting, so stay tuned. And I want to be able to say a few things. <clears throat> you know, Leadership Development News, we're in our seventh uh, year. We are one of the top five ranked business shows on Voice America. And with millions of listeners in 27 countries, 126 cities, and typically we get about 
thousand downloads uh, per month, and going back seven years. So you can find our uh, show on VoiceAmerica.com and also iTunes for free. You can download any of the shows that you can bring to your organization. Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host, she and I have been doing this the whole time, and Dr. Kathy Greenberg has been named the first lady of happiness by ABC TV. She has authored multiple popular books on the science of happiness, including What Happy Companies Know, What Happy Working Mothers Know, and she touches millions of lives as an in-demand speaker, TV, radio, media personality. Um, She also has a syndicated show on ABC, The Morning Blend, where she offers... uh, Tips. She has a free iPhone app that you should check out called Your Happiness Now. And we're really happy that Kathy this week is launching her new book, Fearless Leaders, Sharpen Your Focus. It's available on Amazon. And you can also uh, get this integrated platform of tools that she has at Dr. Kathy, with a C, drkathygreenberg.com. So, Kathy, welcome. Thanks, Riley. It's going to be a fun show for sure because it uh, sounds like Dr. Beebe uh, and I also have some friends in common. Steve Sample, uh, I know from UC, uh, University of uh, California, and uh, I was actually his daughter's mentor for several years, and uh, we used to have Peter Drucker as a guest quite often when I was with uh, a very well-known consulting company called uh, CSC, Computer Sciences Corporation. So outstanding connections, and it's always a pleasure to be here with you, Relly. And I want to make sure that everybody knows that we've been on the air actually seven years. We're celebrating our seventh year, so it's a great time for us to be sharing um, some of our, uh, let's say, some of our history through the iTunes. I think, what do we have now, about 300 and yeah. or more iTunes. And yep. I know people find so much value in being able to, to to download those and use them for education purposes. We have one client, um, a large uh, global uh, logistics organization, that actually has these transcribed and they distribute them to their leadership teams. So we hope you'll do the same. So Relly Nadler, you are not only my friend and my co-host, but you are a master-level certified executive coach and a psychologist, obviously a corporate leadership and team trainer. Um, we love to train together, and uh, Riley and I are looking forward to future opportunities to do that where we take my work, obviously, on the fearless leaders and his sweet spot and expertise in emotional intelligence to, um, you know, to what we call the leadership playground. But Riley uses, of course this legendary expertise that he has in emotional intelligence and his keynotes, his consulting, coaching, and development programs. And, of course, his newest top-ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers across industries. He is a popular uh, blogger on Psychology Today. Um, He has uh, close to 75,000 reads, which is unbelievable. And you can visit Relly at truenorthleadership.com for free downloads to access your best performance through emotional intelligence, including his free iApp, Leadership Keys, which you can pick up at the iTunes store. So, Relly, um, I'm so excited to be here with you, as I always am. And um, maybe you want to bring up some background on what we're doing and yeah. why we're doing what we're doing, and uh, then we'll bring on uh, Gail Baby. Great. Well, one of the things, and, and uh, it is interesting, Gail, we, 
you have this in your book that as you move up in your in the organization and you got technical expertise and you have how uh, IQ the key when you move up in the organization a lot of the research is showing it's it's this aspect of emotional intelligence and I think Gail you talk about this as far as relationship uh, skills. Um, those are the key skills when how someone moves up in the organization. So you have to be smart, yes. You have to have technical expertise, yes. But if you want to move up, it's a lot of the things that we talk about in our show and that Dr. Gail Beebe is going to talk about in his eight formative principles of, of leadership. And we also know that when you pair coaching with training, both Kathy and I do training and coaching, but when you pair coaching, you really get kind of a hands-on uh, feel for integrating the skills. And some of the research showing that when you have training alone, it's about a 22% increase. And when you add uh, coaching to it, it's about an 88% because you can really tailor the information for your particular issues. And, you know, Kathy, I think I'll keep this one a little short. Um, and just to say that we know that emotions are contagious and that the person who's the most contagious on the team is the leader. So that's why all this self-control and um, knowing yourself and self-awareness is so important. Oh, absolutely. And, and maybe just say a word about what's kind of the key things about a fearless leader. Oh, well, you know, I have, um, as you know, been a student of Warren Bennis and Noel Tishy for years and years and years. Noel and I are working together next week, actually, in New York. I'm working um, with with him on several projects and, of course, Warren uh, has been an advocate of my work for many, many years. And so I've combined all of their thinking in this new book, Fearless Leader, Sharpen Your Focus. And it's basically a four-part model. We call it the Fearless Leader's Blueprint for Success. And it's based on what we call the art of fearless leadership. And that's A-R-T-E. We did cheat on the spelling. <laughs> the, the A stands for act with inspiring courage. The R, respond with resilience. The T, think from a, uh, if you will, higher consciousness. And then E, engage with a mindset for success. And we welcome everyone to go to drkathygreenberg.com. That's Kathy with a C. And download our free, um, what well, we have free tools and all kinds of things that will help you be a better leader. But also to get involved and, um, and look at what we're doing to create a fearless leaders revolution. So uh, let's bring Gail on and talk yeah. a little bit about what he's doing to help us create a leadership revolution. So, so, Gail, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking out some time to be with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. Yeah, this is always exciting for us, so we can kind of pick, pick your brain for a little bit, if, if you don't mind. Oh, not at all. I'm <laughs> thrilled to be asked, so thank you. Okay. So one of the things we like to do is get a little background on folks, is who have been some of your kind of main leadership influences in your life? Yeah, well, first and foremost was my father. Uh, he was a public school superintendent, and uh, we had to be at the breakfast table every morning at 7 a.m., and uh, and then uh, we were all very active, uh, both he with his school responsibilities and, and uh, four, four kids, uh, all of us active in sports and music and whatnot. And so life was very busy, but uh, there were always times for conversation, and he would always bring elements of his job into family conversations, mm. things he was thinking through, things he was thinking about. And I realized years later that what he was actually doing was helping orient us to the human dimension of every every situation. And he had incredible love for people, uh, wonderful respect for the human spirit in every one of us. But he he also had this sense of human motivation and where people were well-motivated and where they weren't. And mm. 
And it gave me uh, just a sensitivity to how you work with people in a way that brings out the best in them. How do you motivate them? But then also uh, when people are being ineffective, See what's going on in their life. Uh, Take a compassionate interest in them. Call them to a higher way of living and encourage them in that and uh, try to get them back on track. Uh, He was an eternal optimist, and uh, that certainly flavored me. And then, of course, many of the people that have gone on, uh, Dr. Drucker was a huge influence on me. Dr. Sample uh, was just incredibly available to me as I became a president back in 2000. I was just so so thankful for his availability. And then uh, a guy named Dave McKenna, Dr. McKenna had been president of three different uh, colleges and universities, and he was so helpful, still very much a part of my life. In fact, later today, I'm going to be talking with him on the phone as we just go through some things. And so I've had a number of people that have really poured their life into mine, have always been available to me when I needed uh, advice and consultation. And I think I grew up with uh, an interest in hearing the opinions and perspectives of people older and wiser than myself. And and that's just the disposition I have. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk through things and uh, just continue to learn and grow as a result of it. One you know, of the- I- I wanted to just ask you, that's, so, that's just so, so fascinating. How was the decision made that everybody would meet for breakfast at 7 o'clock? <laughs> and how long did you have for breakfast? That's what I really want well, to well, How the decision was made was uh, uh, I grew up in a religious home and, uh, uh, and still follow. I, you know, I'm a person of faith. And so we would have uh, 7 a.m. you had to be at breakfast because at 7.10 uh, we would have uh, the time of family family gathering, and uh, we would always uh, read a uh, portion of scripture, uh, discuss it, and then what did we face for the day, each of us? And it was, it was actually a way in which my father showed uh, remarkable respect for each one of us, because we would hear his schedule, but uh, each one of us got to share our schedule, and it actually made us... Uh, thoughtfully engage our day for a few minutes before we actually scurried out of the house. That is so empowering, Gail. That really is. We're going to take a quick break, so hold that thought. And we're going to be right back to talk to Dr. Gail Beebe. So please come back right away. This is Leadership Development News. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. 
Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practice of Top Performers. We're talking with uh, Dr. Gail Beebe, uh, president of Westmont College. We're going to get into, in a little bit, his uh, book around leadership, his kind of perspective on leadership, the shaping of an effective leader. Uh, you know, Gail, just before the break, we're talking about, you know, your practice in the morning, and I just wanted to make a comment, you know, with your family. Um, and I heard this from Brian Tracy. The first hour of the day is the rudder of the day. And what a what a nice way to kind of set the course for your whole family, um, you know, with that ritual. And as we talk about uh, leadership, and if you're as a listener in our audience, you know, what are some of the key rituals for you that kind of help set the course not only for you but for the teams that you lead? Well, well, the uh, certainly I get up early every morning. I read. I have my routine. Uh, I think through my day. I think about each person I'll meet during the day. And uh, that that really, I do think, is a result of this uh, experience growing up as a child uh, where each morning at breakfast, the day started with a fairly predictable routine that actually got us thinking beyond mm-hmm. ourselves and thinking about the people we would engage and the responsibilities that we had. And so I think being able to anticipate what's coming, mm-hmm. and I know in all of your work with emotional intelligence, one of the things that we run into is uh, the necessity of being having the capacity to self-regulate. And right. I, what I have found is when you begin to anticipate the day, yeah. you, you have a sense of how some meetings will go. They're going to be a little harder than others. Some of you're anticipating, you're actually looking forward to because you, you anticipate a lot of positive energy and flow out of that. Well, those kinds of anticipations get you game ready uh, for what you'll face. And I think it 
it gives you a greater capacity to self-regulate and and to develop a level of self-awareness so that you can make the right response uh, in whatever circumstance you find yourself. You never do it perfectly, but part of what I found is these early morning moments of self-reflection are also the time when I really become aware of of people I need to go back to and self-correct, where I overreacted or underreacted, didn't give good Mm -hmm. direction or gave too much. And and it's really where I become aware of of not only what I'll face that day, but what I need to go back to in order to, to really be sure things are on track. Well, that's uh, that's huge, and I think you know you, you you know like we know you know for busy executives, taking that reflective time is so important. And so, one of the things we really wanted to pick your brain about is just kind of your relationship with Peter Drucker. And you know, we know uh, we've uh, interviewed Marshall Goldsmith, and and Peter Drucker was a big part of his life. But tell us a little bit about that relationship for you. Well, Dr. Drucker was just remarkable. I, I first met him when I was doing my dual degree at Claremont, and I'd gone there to do a Ph.D. in philosophy and an MBA in strategic management. And the first day, he gave the orientation lecture. He was uh, he was 80 years old. He would celebrate his 81st birthday later that fall. And he said so many things that day during orientation that still linger in my mind and, and really remind me of how uh, insightful he was. I would end up taking four classes with him. That first fall, I had a class with him. And during class, he would have you fill out a three-by-five card and it was if you had any questions. And he would write a quick response uh, if he could handle it quickly. He might call you on the phone and talk to you about it, or he might invite you to lunch. Wow. And what I discovered was, uh, remember one night when... The phone rang in our apartment. We didn't have children yet, and we were living in North Orange County, and and, uh, I could hear my wife struggling uh, with the call, and I I just assumed it was a telemarketer or something. Well, she turned to me, and she said, you know, uh, there's a person on the phone wants to talk to you. I think he said his name's Peter. Well, if you ever talk to Dr. Drucker, he has a thick Viennese accent, and uh, he was very hard to understand until you got into the cadence of his speech. And he was on the phone, and he was calling to invite me to lunch. And so we had lunch at Griswold's, and that's really how our relationship and friendship started as a result of this first semester of class, the fall of 90. Uh, what I what I found so remarkable, I loved watching his mind work. He taught uh, on campus. He taught Mondays from one to four without breaks, and and he would say this: If you need a break, go ahead and take one. We're not stopping. And he would you would watch his mind range across all of this information, and he had just this incredible capacity to anticipate trend lines. And both in his speaking and in his writing, what was so remarkable to me, the only other person I've ever seen whose mind worked this way is Henry Kissinger, where they say things and they have this synthesizing mind that is so far beyond anything else you're reading or hearing. And he really did anticipate these trends. And I I literally still find myself cycling into things he said that are relevant. And, and we're 20 years down the road from when I studied with him. And he just had that capacity to see yeah. things and the way in which these kinds of realities work when you have human nature involved in it. I loved his attitude towards humans, focus on their strengths, manage around their weaknesses. Uh, I, I love what he says about the the... You know, there isn't such a thing as ethics and business ethics. There's just ethics. You're either an ethical person or you're an unethical person, and it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. Uh, I love the respect that he had for the human spirit and the way in which he carried out that respect. I have never seen a person of his prominence 
show such respect to janitors, uh, to lawn care people, uh, his willingness to stop and encourage people. And he could be gruff if he needed to be, but uh, he was he was a true gentleman and incredibly sensitive uh, to the common person and had such a common touch with them. And, um, you know, I love seeing his mind work, but I also love seeing him in motion. Uh-huh. And you and you were with him when he was eighty or eighty one. You said, yeah, yeah. He turned eighty one the fall of ninety, and then I would finish my the MBA part of my uh, degree in the fall of ninety three. Okay. Uh, but you know, I continued to have contact with him. not a ton of contact, but intermittent yeah. contact. And then he would die. I think he died in two thousand five. I think he right. died just short of his of his ninety uh, sixth birthday. I was actually walking down, uh, I was in New York City and walking right towards the the huge reader board at the ESPN uh, site uh, when it came across on the reader board, Peter Drucker, father of modern management, dead yeah. at 95. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, really, I mean, I had been in conversation. We, we were, I was actually in conversation with some people about working on a book that dealt with some of his management principles. And so we knew he was in decline and Mm-hmm. And whatnot, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't know if you know this, but just this last week, his widow Doris passed away at the age of 103, and wow. she just she just died this past week. So, oh. uh, but a great lady in her own right, and they very oh. much had this uh, remarkable energy. Okay, here here are little things. I mean, these will sound funny to you, but any student who ever studies with Drucker knows where he lives because he always required that we turn our papers in at his front door. <laughs> so <laughs> we would, and often Doris would answer the door. And so, you know, it was oh, wow. impossible not to know him, not to know his wife. <laughs> and, uh, That's great. Uh, so it was pretty remarkable. Well, one just kind of quick note, and then, Kathy, I know you got uh, sure some reactions to this, that I thought was so phenomenal how many people he influenced um, Drucker. Uh, in Jim Collins' book, he was in, I guess, the Drucker Library at one point and uh, noticed all the books that something like three-fourths of his books were written after he was 75 years old. And, and Jim Collins was saying, what, you know, what a reinforcement and motivation, you know, as we all age to think, okay, but we're, we're not stopping. And, you know, most of his stuff was done after 75. That's pretty amazing. Well, uh, that, that is so well said because the, the one of his, I remember asking him which book of his he liked the best. And he said, my next one. <laughs> and and, and he, I was curious how his brain developed and what he did to keep it fresh. And so I asked him, uh, what do you read? And and I said, what do you read in terms of literature? And then what do you read uh, in terms of just journals? Well, he was the one who told me, uh, start reading The Economist. It's a non-American centric view of, of the global economy. Um, he read Discover. Uh, he read The National Geographic. Uh, he would read uh, Scientific American. I mean, he had... I don't know if somebody has written down all of the different journals, but it's the way in which it stimulated his creativity. And this is his, one of the things I, there are just so many things that stuck with me. I mean, the reason he loved the liberal arts as the foundation for leadership training is because he believed it taught you how to reach into any area of knowledge for a solution. And when we were in that orientation back in the fall of 90, he said, uh, 20 years ago, 
40% of the jobs that exist today in 90 hadn't even been thought of. And he said, when you look out to 2010, 60% of the jobs that will exist in 2010 hadn't even been thought of. Wow. Now, you, you think about how forward-thinking that is and how accurate it actually is, and, and that's the kind of perspective that he would bring to bear uh, on life and on his students. It's so fascinating to hear you talk about him having having been in his presence, um, and I understand what you're talking about when you speak about him. I always remember him perched at the front of the room, yeah. hands behind him, <laughs> leaning on the table, and we were always exactly. curious, is he yeah. holding himself up, or, <laughs> or is that just a comfortable stand? <laughs> Um, and it's it's fascinating to me as well that uh, that you also know my my dear friends Warren and uh, and Noel Warren Bennis and Noel Tishy. So let me ask you this: you know, there must be examples of what what we would term now in the Warren Bennis mind uh, mindset of leadership as leadership crucibles. Yeah. Uh, so what what have you applied, Gail, in these leadership um, crucibles as we speak of them, and and how how have these helped you crystallize or advance? your leadership thinking and, and the way that you're kind of, as I like to say, paying it forward? Well, boy, that is a great question. I love Warren's treatment of that and the fact that he distilled that. Uh, I hadn't thought of it that way until I read him on the Crucibles of Leadership, and I just, you know, it was one of those events where you read it, uh, experiences where you read it, and you're, you know, that is exactly what I've been through. I have been through a crucible event in, e- event in each leadership responsibility I've had, and certainly the one that comes to mind the most at Westmont, the most public crucible event, was the Tea Fire of 2008, mm. uh, November of 2008. Right. Destroyed a third of campus, burned eight buildings on campus, 15 faculty homes across the canyon from campus. Uh, it was 231 homes, total homes in the Montecito foothills were destroyed, and we had just broken ground the day before on uh, a major construction project, the first construction that we were going to do in nearly 30 years. Wow. And so the in Santa Barbara, it's just very hard to get permission to build. And once you start, you have a time frame in which you have to finish. And so we, we essentially had to build and rebuild simultaneously. And it was just absolutely an exhausting experience. But we also had uh, the care and feeding of people who we had dormitories that had burned. So we had to get portable dorms. We had to get portable classrooms. Uh, we had 15 faculty families who had to be resettled. We had to rebuild build their homes and the uh, and I look back on both the the physical toll and the emotional toll that that takes but then just the incredible blessings that come out of that as you figure out how to solve problems and you work through these experiences together it was just I had been here one year I was just at the start of my second year when it happened and it just fundamentally uh, galvanized my relationship with the community and uh, my family's mm-hmm. relationship with the community as we went through it we live on campus campus in the president's home. It was not destroyed. It was one of the few buildings. Everything around us was destroyed. It's on the top top plateau of campus. Uh, but it was filled with smoke, and so we were out of the house where they got all the smoke and the smoke damage out of the house. 
uh, it, so it was just it was just a bizarre uh, bizarre oh. period. Uh, but it, I look back on that, and I just think so many of the insights that Warren shares are really true in in terms of this consistency, predictability, dependability, uh, uh, the perseverance, the the not giving into adversity, the energy that comes from a leader. Uh, p- people really do respond to you. Even the night of the fire, we're in the we're in the gym, and uh, there's just all kinds of anxiety around it. We had embraced the the uh, uh, shelter in place program that was first pioneered in Australia in wildfires. It worked beautifully, but it it was getting misreported, and because of social media, students were texting their parents, showing them the fire just across the road from the gym. And so it was a uh, it was a pretty wild night. But we got through that and began to put things back together. And and so many of the experiences and, and the learnings that come yeah, out. Of I'm, just gonna, I'm just going to yeah. interrupt you, and I hate to do that. We're going to go to a quick break, yeah. and then we're okay. going to come back and pick up where we were just getting into this whole conversation about leadership crucibles. And I want everybody to keep listening. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, whatheavyworkingmothersknow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking with Dr. Gail Beebe, president of Westmont College. She has a book called The Shaping of an Effective Leader, which uh, would be a great book to, to get a hold of. We're going to highlight some of the principles, but we're talking about, you know, one of the uh, leadership crucibles that Warren Bennett and Noel Tissue talk about in their uh, book. And the fire in Santa Barbara, I live in Santa Barbara. Remember, Gail, you guys are on lockdown, and as I understand, you know the the gym that all the you know yeah. college students were in is was fireproof, but maybe just highlight you know that kind of a emergency experience, emotions uh, internally with students, with faculty, with the community, with parents. What were some of the you know as a new leader a year into it? What were some of the key things that that you step forward with well the the uh, yeah that is just a, a phenomenal experience looking back on it and you know there's so many so many elements of leadership that come into play and we often talk about both character and competence that you need to have bedrock character but you also have to have competence to fulfill the responsibilities of leadership that there's threshold competencies and then there's these emotional intelligence capacities that you need and and or you could divide it by being and doing the the being side the character side the doing side being the competence side but however you divide it you have to have both and you have to be present with both and what i discovered was that uh, first and foremost it was important that we had prepared for a wildfire and so the students knew where to go the faculty knew where to go we all knew where to rendezvous we knew where the control center would be if a crisis ever hit and we'd actually done the mundane work of drilling for this and so uh, even though it was a shock and it was traumatic we knew exactly what to do First response was uh, to secure the property as best we could. To, to our shock and surprise, no water, uh, no fire personnel were able to respond to fires on campus for three hours because uh, they were evacuating the neighborhood. Mm. And so the buildings that did catch fire burned. Uh, we were able to put out one fire uh, just through intervention of our own. And so part of the follow-up for us has been we've, we've actually purchased two tanker trucks and our buildings and grounds crew, our physical plant staff are, act, staff are actually trained as volunteer firemen. So that our first responders are actually our own employees. The um, uh, And then from there, you begin to deal with uh, the faculty and staff who lost their homes, the trauma of that. And and you have to be emotionally present because the you do not know how a person is going to respond to tragedy. We had three faculty who lost literally everything of their physical possession except the clothes on their back. They lost their home, and they lost their office building on campus. And and in the case of one faculty member, even lost all of his research equipment that, mm. that had been with him for years. Well, the... Within the faculty, you had people who who had lost everything, and they said, you know, uh, this is a challenge, but I'll get through it, to people who said, I don't know whether to call my insurance agent or go buy toothpaste. And so what we did is we actually put together an ombudsman program where we would take a staff person or a board member or a volunteer from the community, and we paired them with every single person who had lost 
something. Mm-hmm. I mean, either they lost their dorm room or they lost their office building or they lost their home. And the ombudsman was responsible for representing their needs, either helping them find uh, a solution to a simple problem, like if you need uh, toiletries, driving to the store and getting it, or representing them to the college, or helping us interface with insurance agents. And, and again, we pasted out that we would be as present as you wanted us to be. We had mm-hmm. 70 students lose their dorm rooms. That varied. I, I remember as I was walking up to meet with the students who had all lost their, their dorm rooms, I ran into one of my favorite students <laughs> that just loved interacting with me. I said, well, how are you doing? He goes, are you kidding? This is great. I get all new stuff. Now, <laughs> I, I was totally shocked by that. But then I got in the room, and there were people who were absolutely devastated and just incredibly, I mean, just truly, it was like the last straw in, in just being totally stressed out from a variety of emotional challenges. And and you had to, I remember looking into the face of one of our freshmen, and, and their family was going through a ton, and so it's, you know, it is, it's just an emotional memory. Mm. And uh, it just, it just devastated her. Um, she's doing great. I, I actually, she would she would end up transferring uh, home. She was from the East Coast. Uh, I saw her four years after the fire, and she had just graduated from college. And it was just, it was, I still have emotions uh, when I think about it. Uh-huh. But you, that's why you have to be emotionally present, because you have to be able to feel how each person is responding uh-huh. to it, and then be sure you're making the interventions to come into play. And so I think of so many of the principles being consistent, dependable, predictable. That happens from good planning. It also happens when people can see that you have an emotional register that's connected to them and responsive to them. Uh, you have to be you have to be willing to adjust your plans and your expectations based on the circumstances. You have to make decisions uh, with within the framework that will work. I remember meeting with the faculty, and we were trying to determine when will we restart fall semester. And we needed to be able to tell the families. Uh, and, and so we made the decision. We were three weeks out, two and a half weeks out from Thanksgiving, and we made the decision that we would restart the semester the Monday after Thanksgiving. And so once we had that in place, it gave us the 18-day window of time we needed to put the campus back together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then we started going out. We found uh, surplus uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo was just selling, uh, you know, at a, at a cut rate. They were selling portable dorms because they had just finished a brand new dormitory. So we bought those at a surplus rate. We bought classrooms at a surplus rate. Uh, wow. it, it was just... You you just push into everything, and you just stay you stay very. We we also we implemented a five p.m. meeting every day to see how the day went, and then look at what the next day would bring, and then we would meet the next morning at nine a.m. as we launched the day. Was that, that for your staff or the school? Or uh, it was for the staff. It was for my executive team, and then anybody with direct line responsibilities. By by now. That we knew that the college would be closed until the uh, it was actually December one when we would restart, and so it was anybody with responsibilities to help us get up and running. And so, a lot of people get to work at eight. In my case, unless it's unless I have a meeting later, you know, I get here at eight, I leave at six, and so I could get here, get my day planned, and then meet at nine, meet at five, right. and in between uh, work. Uh, and it just uh, we just 
stayed in daily contact to see what had been accomplished, what needed to be adjusted, and then what we needed to get planned. And, and it allowed us to move very quickly in terms of our responsiveness to real, real emergencies. Well, one of the, one of the uh, things I'm trying to tie in some of the stuff from your book because I'm looking at, yeah. you have a pyramid you know, that lists you know, these eight things. You talked yeah. a little bit about yeah. character, competence. Then there's chemistry around the team, culture, uh, compatibility, conviction, yeah. connections, commitment. So just highlighting one of them is the connections. And, it, and I'm, I'm remembering uh, the 9-11 story and uh, Rudy Giuliani with his all his folks meeting every single morning like you did just to get everybody oriented. Yeah. Well, and the, the other thing it does is it gives you a chance to be together to really put it in perspective. I, uh, you know, I, I absolutely love uh, kind of lighthearted joking. And so, it, it, you know, I would make lighthearted comments about what we faced. And I, I think through the whole thing, it's being together just gives you strength. And you, you, right. uh, you really begin to develop a sense of the esprit de corps that gives you the energy that reminds you how much you love what you get to do, how important it is, and how badly you want to do it well. And so uh, those were important pieces of it that went just beyond uh, uh, you know, the functionality to, to truly the spirit of place that really motivates all of us to do our work. Well, so, so yeah, we're going to go to our next uh, break here, and then we'll be uh, right back. So don't go away. This is Leadership Development News, and we're talking with Dr. Gail Beebe from Westmont College. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. 
Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a very intimate conversation on leadership with Dr. Gail Beebe. Uh, you know, Gail, when we went to break, we were talking about um, leadership crucibles, how things have changed for you, all of the things that you were doing in leading an organization through a crucible, if you will, in its history. Can you talk about how you created a culture and how this crucible, if you will, this experience, impacted the ability to help create that culture and the culture where you are now. Yeah, well, that's the, uh, I, I think culture is such a, a critical piece to organizational health and well-being, and we have a great culture at Westmont. Certainly, I inherited a great culture that was already here that we could could build off of. What we've uh, really attempted to do, we've started the Westmont Institute, and it's an effort to really embed the deepest values of the community and every member of the community. And so we take the staff through in groups of 25. It's a 10-week series, and it essentially teaches them the the way in which we run the college. Uh, We do everything from the history and legacy of Mrs. Kerr, who founded the college, to how we build budgets, how we build how we start new programs, uh, the role of faculty, their role as staff, uh, how we recruit students, uh, the role of student life, and so on. And so we go through every aspect of the college uh, so that the staff can really take ownership of the importance of their work and see their individual work in a global perspective in terms of what does their individual role do to contribute to the whole? Well, that was a critical part of our recovery to help everybody recognize the critical role they played in helping run the college and helping recover the college. And, and as I've gone forward, I've just come to recognize that you can't be everywhere. And so uh, the thing that you have got to be mindful of as a leader is you've got to create a culture that will sustain the momentum in an organization, and, and you need to hire people into that culture who will fit it embrace it, and develop it. And when Jim Collins talks about getting the right people on the bus and in the right seats, one of the elements of that is really building a culture uh, that the right people in the right seats uh, can can develop and sustain. So one of the questions I would think that some of the people, Gail, are, are listening to, and you know, you're building a culture there at Westmont College, let's say as a new leader comes into an organization, you know, how long do you think before 
and sometimes I would use a metaphor of they'd put their fingerprints on it. How long do you think yeah. a new leader uh, would take to kind of build that kind of culture? You know, I know it's not overnight, obviously, but what's what's your sense? Well, you know, it really depends. Uh, I, I think it depends on each culture, and it depends on different events. I I think, uh, you know, I usually look at it in terms of the first 18 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I think higher education is different from other industries in terms of, you know, we're 77 years old. If we, as a college and a university, that's very young. As a company, that's very old. And mm-hmm. so uh, 18 months would seem like, a, you know, an incredibly long time in a high tech company, but for a college or university, that's a pretty that's a pretty consistent rhythm over time uh, to begin to implement change. At the three year mark, you really feel people finally settling in with you, and then I think uh, Dr. Sample is actually the one who drew my attention to the fact that the greatest effectiveness of a college, university, or president happens in years fourteen to nineteen. Oh. And it's it's where you've been settled with the community, uh, your fundraising is going well, all of the constituencies have embraced you, and uh, they really accept the college or university as your own. And so I'm in my eighth year. I can tell that people have just really settled in and become comfortable with me as the president. Mm-hmm. And you just see all of your initiatives uh, really taking root with people. But I think it takes consistency. I think it takes, uh, you know, communication. We do a very arduous strategic planning process. Uh, it's one that I brought with me that uh, Tim Fallon, uh, who is just a phenomenal strategic plan uh, person, uh, I had connected with Tim when I was at my previous institution in Michigan, and uh, he, he's just been uh, remarkable at helping us lay out what do we want to achieve and then building the plans to do it. Well, so um, thank you for that. I mean, your perspective is really good, and it's also interesting to hear from Dr. Sample. That's you know, pretty long. We think about folks in the you know, organizational corporate world that they made so yeah. CEO is probably not going to be around that long, but uh, 14, 19 years. But let's talk a little bit about what I think you did a really great job with is these principles that you have. Okay. And, and similar to what you mentioned about with Peter Drucker, that integrative mind. I mean, you got a lot of things in here. And just to highlight, you know, I highlighted the. Uh, Eight formative principles, but then you also have the uh, eight deadly vices, and then you <laughs> interspersed that with the eight living, uh, life-giving virtues. So, really, a nice job kind of integrating, um, you know, a lot of these issues. As we look at the uh, competencies, you know, maybe say a little bit more. You know, any one of these you think that would be worth it as our last couple minutes to talk more about. Um, well, that's thank you for the invitation to, to even speak into that. I think what I was trying to do with the the eight deadly thoughts was to say every level of responsibility has a challenge, and it also has a compensating virtue. And so, character, confidence, chemistry, culture, compatibility, convictions, connections, and ultimate contribution. The the what are the deadly thoughts? Gluttony, anger, greed, envy, pride, lust, indifference, and melancholy. Every single one of those actually contests with what would help you be successful according to that responsibility. And the reason I put it into a pyramid is I actually do think it it accumulates that uh-huh. you you have to deal with them in this order because and and also when you when you destroy your opportunity at that level you actually collapse back down to it and uh-huh. so. I think I think 
every industry has its unforgivable sin, if I can use that kind of language. And what I mean by that is, if you're a banker, you can do almost anything except embezzle. But if you embezzle, you will never get to be a banker again. Well, you've got to look at what is the unforgivable sin of your industry. And as a leader, if that's your vulnerability, you need to get help because you're going to you're going to destroy your opportunity and destroy your reputation if that's the very vulnerability you have. And and I do think these things accumulate over time. I think uh, we yeah. become lethargic. I think that that we can uh, hubris is is really getting a sense that we're irreplaceable to the point that we think nobody can hold us accountable. I think that's very dangerous for leaders. And the reason I love having mentors in my life is the opportunity for them to speak into my life when they think I'm getting off track. Well, that yeah, that's really good. Um, and it, like I said, you did a wonderful job kind of pulling this um, all together. And you know, so in the last uh, couple minutes here, because we're going to be we're going to be um, bringing this to a close, I'm just looking at this now. Uh, you know, I think. One of our friends, John Davies, has talked about just your the ability of character. Can, can maybe just, we'll end on kind of the bottom of your your pyramid. You know, can you really learn character, or how does someone go about developing character? And so we just got about a minute. Oh yeah. Well, well, the the way just to say it quickly. I mean, character develops, and it really reflects what we think, what we believe, how we behave, and then how we reflect on how we think, believe, and behave. And I think you character does develop, and it develops as a result of our life experiences and what we come to believe about our life experiences, mm-hmm. and then what kind of corrective path we're willing to get on. Yeah. And so the the I think if you can learn from the mistakes of others, I think parables, life stories that teach a moral lesson are critical for us. And whether it's uh, Hans Christian Andersen or the parables of Jesus or any of the wisdom traditions, they have elements in them that are meant to teach you, can you discern... Or, or develop moral insight. Right. I mean, one of my favorite parables is where Jesus says, you know, some will always be seen but never perceiving, always hearing but never understanding. And what I like in that is, why can two people look at the same experience, mm-hmm. one gains insight and one, sta- one remains completely impervious to change? Right. We have to have a heart that's willing to change, and we have to be willing to grow and improve over time. And that's a part of our character development, but it's also part of our motive base, and right. we need to have right. it. Well, that's good. I know we we could talk for a long time, and hopefully we'll, we'll have some more opportunities. But for our listeners, just around the character development, you know, constantly be be learning, constantly be looking at yourself, yeah. and applying some of the principles we talk about, whether it's emotional and social intelligence, or or in Doctor Beebe's book, the shaping of an effective leader. And can they get that uh, most places? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Uh, the Shaping of an Effective Leader: Eight Formative Principles of Leadership. And uh, go just Google it, or go straight right. to Amazon, and it'll come right up. Well, uh, Gail, thank you so much. I really appreciate oh, my you privilege taking, taking yeah. the time. And uh, this is Leadership Development News. You know, profiles of practice of top performers. So continue to uh, tune in to tune up your performance, and we'll be with you again next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.